You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. I'm the Senior Analyst over there at BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network. The show is always brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North, where Yesterday was National Chocolate Day, but every day really is National Chocolate Day, isn't it? By the way, thank you to WVUA, swung by the store yesterday, interviewed the chocolate lady for a little bit on National Chocolate Day. Got a big birthday for the chocolate lady coming up uh, tomorrow, so there you go. Big stretch of birthdays here in the next couple of three days, right? You got the chocolate lady uh, tomorrow, and then you're going to have Nick Saban on Saturday. In conjunction with that matchup with the Mississippi State Bulldogs at Bryant-Denny Stadium, that, of course, a 6 o'clock kickoff there off of University Boulevard. And I am joined, as always, on the show by producer Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60-minute boom of Sports Talk Radio. Sometimes, Jacob, it takes me a little bit to get around to it, but I always get there to the 60-minute men. How you doing this morning, Jacob? I'm doing excellent. Riding through the day and uh, looking forward to a great weekend of football and spookiness on Halloween. There you go. Glad to get uh, last night behind us, right? With the uh, Hurricane Zeta coming ashore there in southern Louisiana, the coast of Louisiana, and really kind of making a beehive up through here. I guess the remnants or the storm itself, most of it went just south of us by a little bit. I never woke up. You know, I went to bed last night fully anticipating high winds, maybe some lightning, some thunder, uh, arousing me from my sleep in the middle of the night. Never happened. Now, I talked to some people this morning, some coworkers, actually. Tim Watts, site publisher for BamaOnline.com. I was talking with Tim this morning. Uh, power was still out over there. Now, he's south of Birmingham just a little bit, and that's where it looked like it kind of pushed on through there, Clanton, south of kind of Pelham and uh, Alabaster and that area over there. Sounds like they took it pretty hard, but uh, thankfully for us around here anyway, at least what I've heard in the Tuscaloosa area, maybe some power outages, but perhaps not as severe, certainly, uh, as we might have uh, thought when we went to bed 
last night. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you'd like to check in with us on a Thursday, we're going to talk some college football with Chris Hummer coming up in about 15 minutes or so. Get sort of that national perspective we like to get from Chris Hummer because, after all, he is the national college football writer for 247sports.com. We'll ask Chris, what is sort of the 10,000-foot view of this injury to Jalen Waddell in terms of Alabama's championship hopes? You've heard some hot takes already, haven't you? ESPN... Some folks have pretty much gone ahead and said, look, no Jalen Waddle, no national championship for the Alabama Crimson Tide. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are, while Jalen Waddle is tremendously important to this Alabama team, not just in terms of offense either, because we've seen how he can impact a game. He turned that LSU game here in Tuscaloosa around last November with a punt return. Remember how many Brook Trout faces you saw in Bryant-Denny Stadium after the start of that one? After the Tua turnover? And then LSU goes right down the field and scores, takes that early lead. Alabama looks to be in trouble, and then Jalen goes 77 yards, something like that, with a punt return for a touchdown. So, yeah, you you understand that it's more than just offense that you're taking a hit with here. But... If Alabama, in my opinion, as I've said since earlier in the week, since really post-game Tennessee, if Alabama can keep the pieces it has in play right now throughout the remainder of the season on the offensive side of the ball, I don't think the offense or the return game is going to be the biggest hurdle between it itself and a national championship. I still think it's the defense you still got to tighten up some things on the defensive side of the ball. Specifically, a lot of the stuff between the numbers becoming more dependable, reliable at the safety position. Inside linebacker can certainly continue to improve. Defensive line, more big play production out of those guys. Get off some blocks. How about some tackles for loss? And yes, an occasional sack would be nice. And as I've said throughout the week, Even if we're not talking about sacks, how about not allowing mediocre athletes at the quarterback position to run for nine yards on third and eight? Those are the things that'll get those are the things that'll get this team beat in an SEC championship game or a college football playoff game, more so than not having Jalen Waddle if the other pieces remain intact on offense. So we'll ask Chris Hummer his thoughts on that. Check in with him coming up in just a little bit. Now, Jacob, I know because I follow Tide 109 on the Twitter, I saw where the Demopolis Hillcrest game for this week has been canceled. Uh, Are we still on with our Northridge Jags taking on Tuscaloosa County this week? Has there been any other changes that you're aware of to the high school football schedule here locally? None that I'm aware of with Northridge. As far as I know, they're they're good to go after you know having a bit of a scare a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but that yeah. Hillcrest one does kind of concern me because they were the ones, the Patriots, that is, that forfeited that game, and mm-hmm. it, it kind of drew into my mind. You know, we do Friday night lights here every Friday night, and we're getting amped up and ready for the playoffs. And I really don't want to have to see or report 
or hear about a team having to end their season due to forfeit in the in these playoffs. Yeah, and that's kind of what you hope in that scenario is that, you know, it's not to the extent it's more out of caution, right? Because you do have the playoffs coming up and Demopolis isn't a region game. Likewise for, you know, the, the it's not a region matchup. And you got two teams, right, that have playoff aspirations here. So uh, if you have to kind of put one to the side and and take a forfeit to ensure yourself as best you can that you're available in terms of your roster and your program in general as you head into the playoffs, absolutely. That's the move you've got to make. We do have NFL football tonight, the Atlanta Falcons. What new and inventive way will the Atlanta Falcons show us how to lose tonight, I wonder, as they travel to Charlotte to take on the Carolina Panthers? Just when we thought we had seen it all, right? Todd Gurley scores a touchdown that he shouldn't have scored, and Detroit goes down, scores, ties it up, and uh, the rest is history. I don't know if you uh, can tie if if you can top an All Pro running back being told by his All Pro quarterback <laughs> not to score. The running back saying, "Yeah, sure, I won't do that," and then him still doing it anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like I don't even think it was like a selfish thing by Todd Gurley. It's just think about for how many years Todd Gurley has been taught and coached to do what? Get into the end zone. I mean, it's like second nature. It, it, that, that's what you're wired to do. Um, but absolutely amazing. So we'll see what the Falcons have in store for us tonight against the Panthers. If you dare watch that, you do have college football tonight. So maybe that's uh, a little bit more up your alley. Fun belt. Fun belts delivered this year, man. The G5s really, in general, if you want to talk about the more competitive and entertaining games, I'll put the G5s up there against anybody to this point. Power Fives, got South Alabama traveling up to what used to be Turner Field. I think that's now referred to as Panther Stadium, the old home at the Atlanta Braves in the 1996 Olympic Games. GSU has turned that into its home stadium in the last couple of years, so... GSU and South Al on ESPN. That's a 6.30 central kickoff. And then we get our uh, Mountain West on after that opening weekend last week. Colorado State out at Fresno State. That's a 9 central kick on CBS Sports Channel. So you're going to have that. You're going to have Friday night college football to go along with the high school football tomorrow. We talked about our concerns for Locks and Talia and that sort of Alabama contingent that has made its way up to College Park. You'll have Maryland hosting Minnesota in Big Ten action tomorrow night at 6.30 on ESPN. And then our late night, late night with the Mountain West on Friday night, too. Our Rainbow Warriors, 1-0 and of Hawaii, take on the Cowboys of Wyoming and Laramie. You talk about an interesting week for the Hawaii football team, and I've experienced this with our daughter because she played basketball out there at the University of Hawaii. Hawaii to open its season in football because they got things going at Fresno State last weekend, came over like midweek last week in advance of the matchup because the travel is such coming from Oahu, to the mainland, to the states, to the mainland. It, it was it was like a, a midweek trip in, then play Fresno on Saturday, and then Sunday they fly to Denver 
they don't go back to Oahu because it's not worth it. It's such a haul. They're better served just staying on the mainland. So the Hawaii football team went from California to Denver and now will make the trek up to Wyoming to play Wyoming tomorrow night and then head back to Oahu. How about that for a roadie? People think they go on roadies. How about that one? 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. Pretty much a full slate of SEC action for us on Saturday. We do have some home underdogs across the board, really. I think it's about split three and three when you talk about the home dogs this weekend. Georgia going up to Lexington as a 13-point favorite over the Wildcats. That's an 11 a.m. kickoff on SEC Network. We've talked about LSU and Auburn this week. We like Auburn. Rusty likes Auburn um, as a home dog. That's one of Rusty's four official selections for this week. He likes Auburn at home. Um, that's right. And, you know, he kind of gets the buzz that's around LSU right now with the offense playing like it did with a backup quarterback in there, even if Miles Brennan isn't able to go this week. A lot of love for LSU in this game. But what Rusty sees is that South Carolina ran the ball pretty effectively against that LSU defense. So he likes Tank Bigsby, Sean Shivers, Bo Nix, the run game first and foremost in that matchup when he looks at Auburn getting three at home. Ole Miss, a 16-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in Nashville against the Vanderbilt Commodores. That's a 3 p.m. kickoff on SEC Network Saturday afternoon. And, of course, Alabama, 31-point favorite. And I know a lot of folks have seen that line. I think it actually opened at, like, 33, and they think, wow, that's a lot of points. Well, when you look at the fact that Mississippi State has turned the ball over, I think it's 16 times in four games, um, you know, it, it becomes a, a, a little more reasonable to think that this one could become flammable in terms of the final outcome. Alabama offensively playing at such a high level, and we'll get into a few more of these matchups today with Mississippi State and Alabama. We gave you one or two of them yesterday, but man, when you look at Alabama's offensive numbers through five games and consider that we're talking about an SEC only schedule. Okay. They're going to have a chance to do on Saturday, among other things, hit the 500 yard total offense mark for a fifth straight game. Didn't do it against Missouri in the opener. Kind of just shut it down there in the fourth quarter. Um, had 400 and some change, but the last four games, 500-plus uh, for this Alabama offense. And you got to go back to 2018 in terms of just SEC play to find an Alabama offense that had this type of stretch against SEC opponents. The 2018 offense actually did it against six straight SEC teams. I want to say 2018 Alabama – like the first eight games of the season were all 500 yards plus. But Mac Jones and company with an opportunity to do that on Saturday. And it's a Mississippi State defense that statistically looks, you know, looks really solid on paper. And I do, I do think it is better than most people anticipated this Mississippi State defense being. But look, they haven't seen an offense like this one, even without Jalen Waddell. The offense that Alabama is going to put in front of Mississippi State, uh, Texas A&M, nice offense, right? 
And if you really look at it, you look at LSU, nice offense. But, you know, you consider Kentucky. You know, Kentucky, I, I can envision Kentucky not scoring at home against Georgia on Saturday. I mean, they were an absolute mess at Missouri last weekend. Arkansas, you know, kudos to Sam Pittman and, uh, you know, the, the Bryles, the, the younger Bryles, the offensive coordinator there, doing a, a solid job. But, uh, come on, they're not going to threaten you in ways in which this Alabama offense is. So when you consider turnover margin in all this with what Alabama can do offensively, the 31 doesn't sound as high as you might think. Arkansas, speaking of the Razorbacks, going to head to Texas A&M as a 12-and-a-half-point underdog. You know, I could see the Razorbacks hanging in there in College Station. A lot of love for Barry Odom, the defensive coordinator for the Razorbacks these days, after he sort of put out there the kryptonite for Mike Leach and more specifically uh, K.J. Costello at the quarterback position. You know, after K.J. Costello threw for the 600-plus at LSU, Barry Odom threw his own at K.J. Costello, and uh, K.J. Costello started throwing picks. And that's essentially what we've seen from Mississippi State's offense since that game. And then you're going to have Missouri at Florida. Florida, 15-point fave in that one, coming off the COVID situation down there in Gainesville. So you've got a little bit of a split. Home dogs, road dogs, home favorites, and – uh road favorites in the league this week. We're going to step aside to our first break. When we come back, we'll check in with Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer, for 247sports.com when Southern Fried Sports returns right after this. From the towns of Nissan Traffic Center, most of the rain has moved out of the Tuscaloosa area, but our roadways remain wet with standing water, so please slow down and drive carefully and watch out for debris this morning. If you see conditions, just give us a call. Just three days left to take advantage of tremendous savings at Townsend Nissan with extra rebates. I'm Captain Ray. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Sun South John Deere, the preferred tractor equipment for Alabama athletics. Visit sunsouth.com or any of their 21 locations across the Southeast. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. After Jalen Waddell's injury on Saturday, wide receiver Slade Bolden stepped in and had a productive day in Knoxville against Tennessee. Bolden finished the game with six catches on seven targets for a gain of 94 yards. Bolden discussed his emotions seeing Waddell get injured and what this opportunity to play means to him. It's hard, you know, seeing J-Dub go down. He's one of my good teammates, one of my uh, good friends. It's always tough, you know, and uh, this is not the way I wanted to get this opportunity, of course. And saw him, saw Waddle today, and he's smiling and laughing and joking, as always. And uh, it was good to see a smile on his face. But, yeah, I'm thankful for the opportunity. I'm just here to get better and improve each and every day. I'll have more in a moment. Have you priced a new John Deere tractor lately? SunSouth John Deere has a full line of affordable lawn and tractor equipment this season. SunSouth John Deere has an affordable roster for everyone, from riding mowers to utility vehicles and lots of tractors. Stop by any of the 21 locations across Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia, or visit sunsouth.com to find out what is right for you. Any budget, any project, SunSouth has you covered. Proud to be the preferred tractor equipment dealer of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Join us tonight for Hey Coach and the Nick Saban Show on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Eli Gold hosts starting at 6.30 p.m. Central across the network as he'll be joined by Coach Saban, as well as Tide basketball coach Nate Oates and former Tide great Roman Harper, now an analyst on the SEC Network. 
If you cannot join us at 6.30, the show will be archived on our Alabama Insider podcast, available on all podcast platforms. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today, brought to you by Sun South John Deere. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. A cooler day today, partially sunny. The winds gradually calming down. Temperatures settling into the upper 60s this afternoon. Tonight, clear and cool with the low at 47. For tomorrow and Saturday, the sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 66. The high Saturday at 72. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. Back with more of a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on side 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. We're a couple of days away from Halloween, so how about some Halloween themed music? A little Rockwell. Back when uh, MTV actually played music videos, if you're old enough to remember. I want to say this one dropped pretty much on the 20s back in the day. Back around 84, 85. And yes, that's MJ right there. Michael Jackson contribution to some Rockwell. Let's head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio line at 205-342-9904. Check in with National College Football writer Chris Hummer, 247sports.com. What about it, Chris, when it comes to Halloween-themed music? Uh, where are you at on that? Is it uh, you like more of the traditional stuff? Do you like the... Uh, you know, some of the stuff maybe not intended to be so much Halloween, maybe like that one, uh, Thriller by Michael Jackson. I mean, that's a Halloween song, isn't it? I mean, I think Thriller is the greatest Halloween song of all time. Like, it, it, it can't be anything but, but I, I'm a big Monster Mash fan as well. So if that comes on <laughs> at a party, I'm, I'm ready to get down. Oh, man. Little eight-year-old TR back around 1976. Patrolling around the Kmart, you know, looking for that awful pre-made <laughs> boxed costume of Batman or something with some Monster Mash playing over the uh, sound system there at the Kmart. Yeah, that takes me back. Appreciate that, Chris. Um, let's take you back to last weekend. Very unfortunate for Jalen Waddle to see his junior season uh, in all likelihood come to a close with a ankle injury there on the opening kickoff against the Tennessee volunteers so wanted to ask you more from a national perspective what do you think this does to Alabama in terms of its national championship hopes or even just conference wise if you envision another matchup with the Georgia Bulldogs perhaps or even the Florida Gators in Atlanta uh, where does this put this team in your opinion I mean, when you when you think about national championships in college football, I think it's usually best to sort teams into tiers um, in terms of like who is pop capable of winning at each season. This year, I would argue 
that there are three teams in the top tier, which is Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama, and Georgia is maybe a tick below them in tier 1.5. That's kind of how I look at it. So from that perspective, I don't think Alabama's um, chances to make the playoff have decreased any. I still think Alabama is just as explosive enough to deal with Georgia, although I think Jalen Waddell being out for that game certainly hurts them um, and their chances of kind of being as explosive as they were in that first matchup. And Alabama is certainly a little easier to contain without Jalen Waddell on the field. Um, But when you kind of expand the scope out and you look at the individual matchups with those teams, I think it's a pretty big blow. Um, I think more than any player in college football, probably Jalen Waddell was the most difficult to contend with in college football. Um, There are some electric players and some electric quarterbacks um, in the sport and quarterbacks touch the ball every play. But what Jalen Waddell was able to do either on the outside of the formation and the slot, um, the ability to kind of get open at any time, to bust a big play at any time, be it as a receiver or in the kicking game, was just so special and so unique. There just aren't many corners who could contend with him from down to down. And taking him off the field and away from Devontae Smith in a situation where one of them would almost always have a positive matchup because no team has two corners capable of matching up with those two receivers really does hurt. Um, Alabama's chances to win a national championship, in my opinion. Like, it can still win a national championship, but I just think um, Alabama's ceiling got knocked down a level or two after this injury, and it's just really unfortunate because it's so fun to watch. Knowing what the depth is at wide receiver for this team now with Waddle out, and knowing what the sort of breakdown is at running back, with Najee Harris to Brian Robinson and the rest of that pack is Mac Jones, Alabama's most important skill player moving forward. Or could it be that it's actually maybe a Devante Smith or a Nate Najee Harris? How would you sort of you know, put that, put that together in terms of ranking most important skill player moving forward? I think it has to be Mac Jones. Um, I might have said Jalen, uh, but without Jalen on the field, Mac Jones is going to have, it sounds weird, but he's going to have more on his shoulders. Um, he's going to have slightly smaller windows to throw to. He's going to have slightly ex- less explosive weapons to kind of help him out in those situations. Like Alabama needs Mac to continue playing at this level if it hopes to win a national championship, which sounds crazy, but. Alabama's defense really does give me pause in a lot of areas. And it's a different conversation if Alabama's defense gets better as the season goes along. A guy like Dylan Moses almost has to get better than what he's played with early this season. I expect that to happen. But as of right now, like I think Mac and the way this offense is set up is so critical to what Alabama and Steve Sarkeesian want to do. Um, maybe six years ago, you could have just put the ball in Najee Harris's belly 40 times a game and kind of made up for the fact that uh, – Jalen Waddle's out for the season and maybe Devontae Smith is going to see more double coverage, but that's, that's no longer the case in 2020. I think Nick Saban told ESPN as much like offense wins championships in this era. And unless Mac Jones is playing at a great or elite level, I have a difficult time seeing Alabama winning a national championship as its goal kind of remains this season. So in that way, I think Mac is the most important. Considering that Jalen didn't play an offensive snap in that game against Tennessee, and understanding the Tennessee defense isn't Georgia's, uh, maybe not even Texas A&M's when it's all said and done. What was that is in terms of a Heisman type statement, I guess you still have to put Georgia at the top of that list, but 
you know, as far as Max candidacy is concerned, how much do you think that may have helped him Saturday to do what he did in three quarters of work without Jalen Waddell out there? And as far as valid, the continued sort of validation process goes for him, or or have we already passed that point? I mean, I think I think if it wasn't for Trevor Lawrence, like I wouldn't even need to see Mac Jones without Jalen Waddell. I think Mac Jones would be the Heisman favorite if it wasn't for perhaps the best quarterback prospect we've seen in a decade playing at an obscene level. And Mac Jones is playing amazing football. I didn't really need to see him do it without Jalen Waddle because like at the end of the day, like he's still putting those balls in the right window. He's still throwing those deep passes so accurately. Like it doesn't matter how open your receivers are. You still have to hit those passes and 90% of college football players do not do it at a rate even close to what Mac Jones is doing. So I didn't really, I didn't really need to see that. I, I think Mac's an excellent Heisman candidate. I just think he's going to get hurt for two reasons. One, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields had so much more hype than him coming into the season. And two, I think Najee Harris is going to steal some votes from him because Najee's been brilliant himself. He really has. Um, Speaking of quarterbacks in the Southeastern Conference, uh, big game down on the Plains Saturday afternoon with LSU visiting Auburn. Uh, TJ Finley looked great against South Carolina Saturday night there at in Baton Rouge, Miles Brennan, I guess, still uncertain with the injury. Uh, if there was any question between the two going into the game, uh, did you see enough of Finley to, to ride with him for a second straight week, or would you feel better about going with the more program vet there in, in Miles Brennan? I mean, if Miles is my, healthy, like I'm, I'm rolling with Miles Brennan. Like, no offense to TJ Finley, who I think has – as high as a ceiling as anybody in the country, um, just because of his pretty unique arm talent. The kid has a legitimate cannon. Like uh, he, I think he'll draw some Jamarcus Russell comparisons and justly so. Like his his arm is not quite that good, but he he can spin the football. I remember seeing him at the opening finals. Uh, I want to say, I guess it, I guess it was like almost a year ago, or more than a year ago now, and. I think I saw him throw like almost flat footed, like a 65 year old, 65 year old deep ball with like no effort, but there's still some decision-making things. TJ Finley, that would concern me a little bit. Um, if you look at his passing chart from Saturday, he wasn't really asked to do a lot deep. Um, there was a lot of shorter passes, uh, let the receivers make play and plays in space, which LSU has plenty of receivers capable of doing. And I think LSU would be just fine offensively with TJ Finley, but I still think miles Brennan gives it offense a slightly higher ceiling. Now that answer might be different in six weeks as TJ kind of continues to develop. But as of right now, if Miles Brennan is 100% healthy, he's the guy I'd be going with against Auburn. Sticking with the quarterback theme, Chris, and this is more in relation to recruiting, and even with that, it's down the road a piece a little bit to the class of 22. But it seems like everything right now associated with Tom Herman and the Texas program isn't exactly positive. And we heard yesterday from Quinn Ewers, the top ranked quarterback for the 2022 cycle, uh, in-state prospect by all accounts, just a tremendous upside to this young guy. He announces he has decommitted from the Texas Longhorns. I mean, at this point, what are we left to think about Tom Herman and Texas beyond the current season? I mean, <laughs> it's not much. It's, it's not great. Um, I think Tom could still save his job. Like, n- no question. Like, it'd be this very weekend, right? for Texas. I mean, I'm sorry? Ro- 
this weekend at Oklahoma State would be a good place to start, I guess. Yeah, I was about to say, it would be so on brand for Texas to win this game this weekend, be the number six team in the country, and then like follow that up the next week with a loss to West Virginia. It would be the most Texas thing possible. And honestly, like I think if there were odds on that, I might bet on it. Like It's just it's the type of thing that's happened to this program over and over again. But a guy like Quinn Ewers, um, who it cannot be understated how important losing Quinn Ewers to Texas is. Like, Quinn Ewers is the best quarterback prospect we have seen in Texas since Kyler Murray. There's an argument he's the best high school quarterback prospect since Trevor Lawrence. Uh, no disrespect to DJ Uganalele and um, Bryce Young, who were both excellent from California last year. But Quinn Ewers is that guy. He dominated in 6A high school football last year as a sophomore. Like He was absolutely brilliant. And he grew up a Texas fan. For him to be committed to Texas for all of 75 days before essentially pulling the parachute and getting out of there, um, I think speaks volumes to where the program is at. It is not in a good place. And to lose that recruit and to lose that commitment, a guy who could have potentially changed the program in the way Vince Young did um, 15 years ago for Texas is just such a big blow. And I just, I think it says everything you need to know about where the current state of the Longhorn program is under Tom Herman. Yeah. It's uh, interesting. Some of the, the, the most respected voices in the recruiting industry there with us at 247sports.com. They weren't hesitant yesterday either, were they, to put in the crystal balls for, I guess, Ohio State, where yours is concerned, and made me think a little bit back to Tate Martell, Chris. You know, Tate Martell was going to go to a Texas school, right? He was going to go to Texas A&M. Then he ended up shifting to Ohio State. Uh, but you've assured me uh, Quinn Ewers is no Tate Martell. Yeah, Quinn, Quinn is... Quinn is a better high school football prospect as a sophomore than Tate Martell was at Bishop Foreman <laughs> as a senior and on that team that won back-to-back state championships. No offense to Tate. Um, Quinn also doesn't have some of the, uh, some of the personality baggage, I would say is a fair way to put it with um, Tate. So in that regard, yes, um, Ohio state is flipping, likely flipping another superstar quarterback prospect from a Texas school, essentially. But um, I think this one's going to turn out much different for the Buckeyes. And I will say this about Ohio State. If they land Quinn, which I I fully expect them to, they will have three straight five-star quarterback prospects um, kind of on their ledger uh, in back-to-back-to-back classes. What Ryan Day is doing at that position is is pretty eye-popping right now. Yeah, go ahead and get yours settled with Ohio State, and then we can – then we can focus our full attention on Arch Manning, right, in 2023. As if we won't have it, enough time to do that. It's, it's funny, actually. Like Quinn, Quinn's so good, but like the amount of hype he gets in comparison to Arch Manning, Arch Manning's not even funny. Like, I can't wait for the uh, senior year Arch Manning recruitment. It's going to be nuts, I would assume. Yeah, I can wait, but uh, yeah, it, it will be. <laughs> it will be nuts, no doubt about it. Uh, we talk about Ohio State. Uh, the Big Ten gets all of a week into its season before we have a uh, postponement, I guess, at best of a game with. Wisconsin and Nebraska. And then we learned this morning of reports that Nebraska, again, trying to go rogue a little bit, maybe schedule its own thing with Tennessee Chattanooga. Um, you know, I, I guess the, the big thing is the, this 21 day quarantine that is in play for the, for the big 10. I mean, to, to accomplish any type of a season, Chris, in your opinion, how, how sustainable is that? moving forward or is this something that you think is going to be addressed here in the near future? Uh, I mean, it's sustainable if kids 
take care of themselves and stay away from others for nine straight weeks, which doesn't seem particularly sustainable given that all of these kids are in college. Um, so I think it's something that's been brought up a lot uh, in the Big Ten offices the last uh, couple days. I know a lot of coaches in the league are upset about the rule, uh, for sure, and administrators as well. Um, I believe Sports Illustrated had a report yesterday um, from a few leading scientists um, that said a lot of the Big Ten testing uh, with heart issues is unnecessary, and like that cardiovascular testing is what takes up that final seven days in that quarantine. So the yeah. first 14 days are just what the CDC says. The final seven are to test um, a player's heart, uh, their cardiovascular kind of capacity coming back from COVID-19. And with that paper saying it's almost unnecessary to do all that testing if they had mild to no symptoms, um, I certainly think the Big Ten might re-examine its policies. But um, I think if the Big Ten's shown anything the last like two months is it's uh, a little disorganized, a little stubborn, and um, it'll be interesting to see if they pivot mid-season. I don't think the impetus is there if it's just Wisconsin with an outbreak, but it's very easy to envision a scenario in which four to five Big Ten schools have COVID-19 issues by week four or five, and if that's the case, I really do think the Big Ten will be forced to re-examine some of its policies that will prevent um even a quarter of the games from being played in the big are more than a 75% or more of the games being played in the big 10 this season. It'll be interesting to follow. Sorry for the word words out there. It'll be a uh, birthday Saturday at the Alabama Mississippi state game. Nick Saban turned 69 on Saturday, Halloween Saturday for Nick Saban, other than a healthy Jalen Waddle. What's the one thing you'd, you'd give Nick Saban, the man who seemingly when it comes to football anyway, has it all. Uh, I mean, that's a great question. I don't know what Nick Saban want. I think he, if you could give Nick Saban anything, he'd probably go back to the era where he didn't have to deal with social media or anything for, for <laughs> no, no more, no more tempo offenses, no more, uh, RPOs, although he's made them, uh, work pretty well for himself here in the last years. Maybe just a really good mixtape of the stones, the Eagles, you know, <laughs> it's a big fan of those bands, but, uh, uh, yeah, I'd say I mean, maybe for, for, you know, his last three birthdays, they've pretty much involved just massive injuries to his football teams, you know, since 2017, really. Yeah. I mean, the middle October just in general has been so brutal to Alabama the last few years. Um, but I don't know. Like, that's a great question. Like, what do you get the guy who already has a statue of himself in front of the stadium? He walks into <laughs> every week. Like, I mean, like at this point, like mixtapes may be your best idea. I kind of dig it. I'd love for somebody to give Nick Saban a mixtape. Yeah, maybe a couple of years of extra eligibility for some guys like Ha Ha Clinton Dix, Reuben Foster. You know, other than that, I I don't know what else I could come up with. Hey, Chris, as always, we appreciate you joining us here on the program. Great stuff there at twenty four seven sports dot com. As our national college football writer, enjoy your football weekend, my man. We'll talk again soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks so much. There he goes, Chris Hummer. Give him a follow on Twitter if you haven't already, at Chris underscore Hummer, H-U-M-M-E-R. Yeah, I mean, what would you give Nick Saban for his birthday? I mean, obviously, right? Little Debbie, you know he's going to have some of those. Loves them. But uh, maybe your own personal awesome mixtape 
of some Michael Jackson, speaking of Jacko, uh, some Eagles, some Stones, you know, something a little personal like that. We're going to head to a break. When we come back, more Southern Fried Sports on a Thursday, presented by Peterbrook Chocolates here, right here on Tide 100.9 FM, right after this. Um. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. CCR jumping in there on our Halloween themed Thursday here on the program. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com with you. Thanks again to Chris Hummer, national college football writer for 247sports.com joining us there in the previous segment. Going around college football a little bit. A little recruiting there. Quinn Ewers, the top quarterback prospect the 2022 cycle tells Tom Herman and the in-state Texas Longhorns. Thanks, but no thanks. And it looks like Quinn is going to be headed to Big Ten country based on the crystal balls we saw yesterday. Quinn Ewers looks like he's headed to perhaps Ohio State. We're headed right here in Tuscaloosa this weekend for Alabama and Mississippi State. And some matchups we got into yesterday, a couple of them, a little bit. Alabama's wide receiver position minus Jalen Waddell. Slade Bolden expected to step into that number three role for the foreseeable future. Perhaps some of these youngsters are going to get up to speed here in the very near future. Join uh, join Slade Bolden uh, in that mix to go along with John Mechie and Devontae Smith. Talked about those guys matching up with Mississippi State corners. Emmanuel Forbes, a true freshman who has two interceptions on the season. Martin Emerson a sophomore corner who actually made a start against Alabama in Starkville last year. And then it looks like Colin Duncan is going to have to take over there in the slot. So as we told you yesterday, a couple of injuries in that matchup that are going to impact things. Colin Duncan playing more of that star position with Fred Perry out for the season. And now Slade Bolden in there with Jalen Waddle out. But what about the lines of scrimmage? Yeah, we're going to give a little love to the interior Linemen involved in this thing on Saturday night. Starting on the offensive side of the ball with Alabama, you know, Deontay Brown with the shoulder deal Saturday against Tennessee, left the game in the second quarter, didn't see him for the remainder of the game, saw a couple of adjustments made there. Uh, If Deontay can't go, maybe it is Landon Dickerson at left guard with Chris Owens at center. Uh, But we'll stick with thinking it will be Deontay Brown. Deontay has made starts in this series at both guard spots. Left guard in 2018, he actually had to leave that game. Two years ago here in Tuscaloosa, he had the toe injury. 
22 snaps, had to leave. And then, of course, Emil Echior playing at a high level. You know, Emil probably got hit with a sack allowed in the fourth quarter at Tennessee Saturday night, but I thought that was as much on Bryce Young as it was Emil Echior. I mean, there was a little bit of a push there in the pocket with Echior at right guard, but... You know, Bryce, being a young quarterback, probably didn't handle that situation, kind of stepped right up into the sack. Uh, but ekior has been really good. He's only committed one penalty in five games this year. So he has entrenched himself as that right guard there as a redshirt sophomore. And then you consider Mississippi State. Mississippi State against the run, again, statistically, looks pretty good. You know, Mississippi State rush defense, third in the SEC at 120. Three, a little more than 103 yards allowed per game. Alabama fourth in rush offense at 168 yards per game. And that's really where we're talking about this matchup. Now, Marquis Spencer is a defensive lineman for Mississippi State, actually leads Bulldogs in tackles for loss and is tied for the team lead in sacks. So he'll be a guy to watch there on the interior. This is a 3-3-5 defense for the Dogs, but Really, what you'll see it transition into is a 4-2-5. One of those outside linebackers will you know, join that three-man front, and it'll be more of a four-man front throughout the game. But uh, Jaden Crumity and Marquis Spencer are the bell cows, I guess you could say, the big dudes up front at the tackle spots. And again, statistically, it looks pretty good. It looks like a good matchup. And then I watch Texas A&M, Mississippi State, and A&M had a lot of success out of the pistol formation. Isaiah Spiller directly behind Kellen Mond in the shotgun and just running really base zone plays and gashed Mississippi State time and time again with that. And so we know Alabama has that same look on offense, and we know Alabama has the SEC's leading rusher in Najee Harris. So I guess what I'm saying, I'm still looking for Najee's touchdown streak to continue on Saturday night. And I think Najee, once again, you're going to see him north of 100 yards uh, against the Bulldogs. I'm going to step aside for a final break. and we come back, more of a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. A cooler day today, partially sunny, the winds gradually calming down, temperatures settling into the upper 60s this afternoon. Tonight, clear and cool with the low at 47. And for tomorrow and Saturday, the sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 66, the high Saturday at 72. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back with more of 
a Thursday edition of Southern Pride Sports right here on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com. You're going to be able to hear uh, Hey Coach tonight right here on Tide 100.9. That's right, Nick Saban. His usual Thursday night appearance there. You'll be able to catch that right here on the radio station. Get you ready for Alabama and Mississippi State on Saturday night at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Again, you'll have that varsity crew for ESPN. You'll have Sean McDonough. You'll have Todd Blackledge and company here in Tuscaloosa. We always like that. We always appreciate that crew. And uh, you're going to have a very interesting weekend of football in general. We talked about it from the outset of the show between wrapping up the regular season on the high school front, trying to get ready for the playoffs coming up. We have multiple area teams with a chance to make at least a little bit of noise in the postseason. And, of course, you're going to have Tua Tonga-Vailo on Sunday against those L.A. Rams. That will attract a lot of interest. Some increased talk about the potential for the RPO in the Miami Dolphins offense with Tua in there in place of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I think you're going to see a few RPOs with Tua. The guy's a flat-out magician when it comes to that aspect of quarterback play. I guess the biggest deterrent in the NFL is the lineman downfield rule is different. What is it like? I think it's only a yard that lineman can be downfield compared to college where I think it's three. So that makes it, I guess, a little bit more difficult. But um, big Sunday coming up for two. And meanwhile, our Jacksonville Jaguars, it was reported this morning, Gardner Minshew with multiple fractures in his thumb and a sprained ligament, right throwing thumb. I have no idea where the Jags go from here at the quarterback position. I mean, I know Mark Brunell still lives in the Jacksonville area. I mean, he's only what? He's only 50 probably by now. Can wheel him out of cold storage, put number eight back there, let him get back at it. It is a bye week for the Jags, so that is a good thing. That is a good thing. I think uh, maybe a bye rest of the season wouldn't be a bad thing for our Jags, but – It's that time of year, man, where the quarterback position, whether, again, injury, ineffective play, a lot of quarterback news out there, and two is going to be a big part of that storyline this week. And look, we'll see with Mississippi State coming in here. You know, I just don't understand. I don't know how you run K.J. Costello out there again this week if you're Mike Leach, especially after the the previous performance against Texas A&M. And, uh, you know, Will Rogers, the freshman, uh, what I saw, at least on tape, was at least a uptick in energy and juice from the entire Mississippi State team. And that's not to point the finger at K.J. Costello. I mean, they've obviously had numerous issues from a roster perspective. Just look at the last few days. I mean, we're getting up close to, what, 10 double-digit Bulldogs in the transfer portal? Yeah. That's going to do it for a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Thanks again to Chris Hummer of 247sports.com for joining us. Thanks to Jacob Harrison for producing the program. And your Thursday lunch whistle is 
Pete Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Got those great nightly specials on pies, bar specials, drink specials as well. Eat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Until 11 a.m. on Friday. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. I'd like to meet his tailor. Ow, werewolves of London. <laughs>